Welcome to episode 136. Nope. 135. That's right. 135. What off topic? What's up, Brad? Getting ahead of myself. Not too much, Andrew. What's going on with you? Oh, the usual. So we had a uh, YouTube comment from the podcast last week. Okay. The 87 POR Porsche 924. Uh, he said the last enthusiast car they sold was on eBay Classifieds. Uh, you get five free a year, and it's nationwide. Hmm. I did not know that. Yep. Uh, and they also said they got no action on the car from Craigslist or CarGurus. Interesting. Yep. Uh, yeah, CarGurus is not a place for a vintage car yet. It's definitely they, for newer cars. I recall they said it was like an E92 BMW, but still. Okay. That's a newer. It's an enthusiast yeah. car, so yeah, maybe, I don't know, people... That's the other thing. Maybe it's too expensive for Craigslist. That's also the thing. Like, if you have a car that's over a certain value, you might not get somebody who's going to buy it on Craigslist. Which seems weird to me because I feel like everybody looks there. Yes. But I don't know. Would you... I guess we don't know. We're not in that world of... I mean, I've seen... High dollar cars listed on Craigslist. This is true. I never bought a high dollar car because I'm, you know. Yeah, we're cheap. Cheap dirtbags. So I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't be like, eh, I'm going to buy a. I guess if I was looking for a specific car. Maybe, where, where else would you go? I mean, eBay obviously is one place you would look, but it doesn't seem any less trivial than looking on Craigslist. I mean,. No, I guess not. I'm just trying to think like, uh, you know, maybe if I wanted an, a specific Evo when my Evo was new and no dealer had it, but somebody was buying, or somebody was selling their slightly used one. You, I mean, you can, I've, I've never done the bank loan to buy a car from someone like a, like a car loan. Yeah. I've only ever done that from a dealership. Yeah. I, increasingly, it's, it's increasingly difficult, I would say, to do it the other way because, You'd have to have somebody, A, willing to wait for you to get the money, and B, willing to do extra paperwork. Yeah. So. And then, like, they have to, like, the title has to go to the bank? Yeah. Yeah. I don't I, I don't know anybody that's ever done that. It seems more difficult. Yeah. Anytime I've bought a car that was on a loan basis, it was always... Through a dealership. Through a dealership for, like, a normal, everyday car. Like, I never... We were talking about that earlier tonight, actually. I've never taken out a loan for, like, a fun car. Yeah. Which I don't think is a bad idea, you know, especially where... it Actually, it makes more sense nowadays because a fun car is an appreciating car, like an older car. Uh, a good buy, yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas a daily driver is a depreciating car. So why take out the loan for the daily driver when yeah. you can take out the loan for the appreciating yeah. car? Uh, it's almost uh, like an investment at that point. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, it de- it depends on the situation, right? So like a well, if you're taking out a loan, yeah. you would assume that it's a nice car. You're not going to take out a loan on a project car, okay? Take out a loan on a finished, right. ready to go car, right? Yeah, that's that's our audience. I'm just thinking of like the poor people that get roped into a fifteen thousand dollar Hyundai Santa Fe that's a two thousand five. Well, I had a customer at my shop. Obviously, we won't give any names out. Yeah, who had a 2007 Toyota Camry? Yeah, and this is like four weeks ago. Yeah, um, and the insurance company totaled it. Yeah, and they didn't get nearly enough to cover their payoff because they still owed like eight thousand dollars on this 07 yeah. Camry. 
So that's a whole other problem with predatory used car loans, but right. And then people with poor credit. But what we're talking about is like an enthusiast car. So instead of buying, well, you should buy the best you can afford. You shouldn't overbuy. But if you're a, are afforded a better car because you can get a decent loan to get it. It's really not a terrible idea. It's not a terrible idea. You know, we were talking about uh, probably it's got to be going on 20 years ago now or close to it, 15 at least. Um, No. Yeah. Somewhere between there. Used NSXs were in the $25,000 range uh, and I'd saved up a good chunk of change and I was thinking about putting, you know, like 10 grand down on one and financing the extra 15 grand. Um, and at the time, you know, I was told that it was not a good idea to take a loan out on an older enthusiast car. Now, looking back at that, I'd probably still have that car. And my, you know, $25,000 purchase is now what? Was an NSX 60 to 70 grand now for a yeah. clean one? So it would have made sense. But at the time, it wasn't a thing. Well, I wasn't going to appreciate anymore. You have to be careful because you don't want to buy a car and a loan that's potentially on a bubble. No, but on the same note, when you're buying a brand new car or a newer car, you're guaranteed to lose money anyway. This is true. So even if it isn't a bubble and you spend, say you bought a car at the height of the Porsche bubble and you took a, you know, you bought a $100,000 Porsche and the bubble burst and the car is now worth eighty five. Yeah, you lost a good amount of money on that. But at the same time, you didn't lose any less. In fact, you lost less than you would have had you spent a hundred grand on a new Porsche. This is true. So I don't, I don't think it's that risky. I mean, it, it's you got to pay to play, you know. Yeah. So yeah. one way or the other, nothing's ever going to be free. But you got to pay to play. Your mileage may vary. Exactly. All right. Project car updates. Yes. Barney Quest. What do we do to it? Conquest. Yes. Um, so it makes a bad noise, mm-hmm. very bad noise, mm-hmm. which we originally thought might be bottom end bearings. The original owner thought bottom end. Yeah. And then we listened to it and we thought it was top end. So we decided that we'd pull off the valve cover and investigate. It cost you nothing to adjust the valves if it needed to be adjusted. Normally it costs you nothing to adjust the valves. Today it cost us $30. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, normally it costs you nothing because a normal stock Conquest steering engine has hydraulic, hydraulic lifters. Ones, yeah. They don't need to be adjusted. Correct. But the G54B was available in different trims yep. with uh, fixed, not fixed, uh, not mechanical. What am I? Not manual. It wouldn't be manual lifters. Solid. Solid lifters. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to think of. Yeah. Um,. And this one, apparently, it's a performance So it was mod. swapped. So the, the, at some point, this motor was built. And when they built it, they put a new head on it. That was a non-jet valve head, which in the G54B, which is the single cam overhead, single overhead cam engine that came in the Conquest Starion, mm-hmm. they have a jet valve, which is like a swirl valve. That it was an early emissions thing. Cleaner emissions, yeah. So this car has a non-jet valve version of that head because that was a failure point on these. Um, basically, because the head would crack around it. It's an aluminum head with a steel sleeve for that valve, and it would you know crack near it and cause issues. So it doesn't have that in it. And somebody swapped out the hydraulic lifters for the solid ones because um, when you build the engines to rev higher, they need the solid lifters to rev because the hydraulic lifters can't keep up. 
Yep. So somebody swapped out that as well. Um, it, in the long run, for my uses, it won't matter. It's not a drag car to me. But anyway, they're in there, so we may as well use them rather than swap them all out again. So that we pulled the car down in front of the garage in order to work on it. Because uh, it was, you know, fairly clear out at some point during the day yesterday. It wasn't supposed to be down for a long time. Mm-hmm. So we pulled the valve cover off. Uh, realized that it had, you know, um, solid lifters versus hydraulic ones. Yeah. And said, all right, we're going to take this back across the street into the garage where we can work on it on the lift so we can get under and over it in order to manually turn the engine over by hand. Yeah. Um, this is where things kind of went around. It also started raining. It started raining, yeah. Another reason we well, decided to do it. Let's just put it inside. Yeah. So I put it together enough to drive it across the street, meaning I put the valve cover back on it, and I put the intake tube back on, which goes across the top of the valve cover. Got in the car, cranked it over, and it wouldn't start. Nothing. It would just crank and crank and crank. It wouldn't catch. Crank all day long. wouldn't start. So I said, well, maybe it's out of fuel, because the fuel gauge, I don't know it. I've never driven the car. It showed pretty low, but didn't show the light on, but who knows. So we put a few gallons of gas in it. Still wouldn't start. Now in my brain, I'm like, maybe this thing's just got too much fuel in it, at, and... At it, this point, it's downpouring. Yeah, it's really raining. We're getting really frustrated. So I said, well, maybe it's got too much fuel in it, and just it's not going to start now. So let's just let it sit overnight, and we'll worry about it in the morning. So that's what we did. So today, it wasn't raining nearly as hard. It was... It wasn't raining it at was, all. It was misting a little bit. It wasn't dry, dry. It wasn't wet like yesterday. So we decided to spend a little more time trying to get the car running so we could get it in the garage so we could adjust the valves and get the car hopefully running again. And we're hoping that maybe those, you know, manually adjustable valves were way out of whack and that was causing the noise. So we first started by checking to see if the fuel pump was working, which it was. And then we decided to check spark and we didn't have spark. Mm-hmm. So Wasn't one, of the, one of the spark plugs was loose and- yeah, two of the spark plugs were loose, like hand tight. Like I literally took it out by hand. Okay. So, and that's not us; that's somebody else. So I'm hoping somebody maybe was checking something else and just didn't put it back together all the way. I hope it wasn't driven. I assume it wasn't driven like that. But anyway, so I put spark plugs back in the way they belong. Um, but it wasn't getting spark. So we're trying to chase down why it's not getting spark. Checking fuses, checking ignition, checking everything, um, and then we put. We pulled a plug. Sorry, we were trying to crank, we cranking it over some more, and we happened to hear the distinct like light clicking noise of an arc somewhere, and noticed that it was arcing from the coil terminal. No, no, to no, no. First, it there was no arc from the spark plug to the head. Right, so we knew there was no spark. So there's no spark, and then we're like, well, okay, so. The car won't start, right? So we went for the basics. So it, it turns over, which is good, right? Yep. It, uh, But it won't fire. So, okay, it's got fuel. Yep. What else do you need to make a car run? Spark. Spark. All right. So then we were checking that. Uh, no spark. Okay. Let's work from there. Okay. So we pulled it at like, I think, yeah, we pulled. All right. And then we took the distributor cap off. I was like, well, we had the hood open. It was raining a lot. Maybe the seal is gone in the distributor cap. And it's it got full of water. filled with water, and that's why it wasn't starting. So he took that off. It was pretty dry in there. It's a little greasy. Cleaned it out. Put it back. All right. It's going to be – this is a pre- very simple car with just a spark plug cap and a coil, mm-hmm. external coil. 
got to be that maybe. Right. So we're like looking at it and like the lead was kind of loose. So you grab the lead out of your extra starring. another starring conquest in the driveway. That one fit better and you put it on there and then I had you crank it and I could see it's barking. Yeah, we could see it arcing. So like that's it. So we decided it was probably a crack in the coil because it was arcing from below the boot from the from the lead to the negative terminal on Yeah, directly to ground. Yeah, on the on the coil. So not completing the circuit, not firing the spark plugs. So I called the local parts store, and he said, "Yes, we have one in stock for that car. We don't have the cheap one. All we have is the expensive one." So I was, you're like, "All right." In my brain, I was like, "It's gonna be eighty dollar coil. What is it?" He's like, "It's the," he called it the, Assel. He's like, "It's an it's an Assel," and I was like, "An Assel? You mean Excel?" <laughs> you're like me? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "All right, well, how much is it?" He goes, twenty eight dollars," and I was like, uh, "Okay, I'll take it." I don't know how much cheaper the cheap one would be, but yeah, I guess it's probably like a nine dollar part. But anyway, so now it has a super fancy. Asshole coil in it. Get the Excel Extreme Street. Bright yellow one. Bright yellow. But it worked. Put it in the car, and the car literally fired right up. Yeah. Like, almost immediately. Like, cool. Yep. So we managed to drive it across the street into the garage to get it worked on. So we did. Yeah, I took the... You took the valve cover off. Um, my dad came by, gave us a couple pointers on adjusting the valves. Mm-hmm. Basically, the easiest way to do it is to just turn the engine over, and when the rotor points to the tower of the cylinder you want to adjust, you're at top dead center. It points to the um, spark plug wire of and the, the, top, the tower on the cap. Yeah. Okay. That's the tower. Okay. I got yeah. you. I got you. Yeah. I was thinking tower like the ones on top. You know, of the, the castle head. cap yeah, on the yeah, side yeah. of your engine. I got you. Castle. That looks what? like a castle tower. What is that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then we just adjusted the valves. And a couple of them were out of adjustment. They were, like, super tight. Like, like way out of adjustment. Like, no movement at all. Like, yeah. there was no gap. It was yeah. just solid. Yeah. So, that's exciting. So, we put the car back together, and I took it for a rip up and down the street. Car runs a hundred times better. It doesn't fall on its face like it used to. It pulls all the way to the rev range. But the noise is still there. Yeah. It probably needed a coil. And the valve adjustment probably didn't help, like, probably helped, too. Right. <clears throat> um, yeah, and the noise is weird. It's, like, sort of there, but then goes away, but then comes back. Yep. Under different loads. Yeah. It's weird. So, we're thinking now something to the timing chain, because we also could see some marks inside the engine, where it may have moved incorrectly. Yeah, my dad noticed some marks inside where, like, a... Uh, the chain would have, like, slapped the inside of the head. Yeah. Because it, like, goes out and around the timing chain on this, the way this engine's set up. Mm-hmm. We'll check it out. I mean, I start with a mechanical. It's a mechanical uh, chain tensioner, so just start there. put tensioner on it, yeah. I think it's, I think it's accessible from the outside of the engine. Yeah. I gotta double check. I, yeah, I would start, we'll start there, and then, but otherwise it ran way better. It did, other than the noise. The car ran, like pretty much new mm. so it pulls really hard all right that pretty much covers it for the conquest then yeah i'm pretty excited where we're at with it so hopefully that uh timing chain won't be a huge issue worst case scenario we have to change the timing chain um which we have to pull the radiator out to do that but we're already pulling the radiator out to put a new radiator in because actually project car update update i drove to connecticut to buy a radiator that also included both stock fans because somebody 
change that car out to like a single flex style fan for some reason. But I noticed we were looking at the 84 today. 84 is set up that way. Which way? As a fan. Oh, it doesn't have electric fans? Mm-mm. I don't remember. But it has a clutch fan. Mm-hmm. It's not a direct drive fan like mm-hmm. it is in the 88. Mm-hmm. And also probably has a proper um, shroud that fits properly. Yeah. Unlike the one in the 88. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 88 had two separate electric fans. Hmm. The 84, you're right, it has a clutch fan and an electric fan for the AC condenser. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's like a Montero. All right, uh, Southern New Hampshire Cars and Coffee, May 12th. Coffee Factory, Salem, New Hampshire. Check the Facebook event for details mm-hmm. and any updates. So, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that one. Hopefully First one was good. Hopefully the second one will be yeah, hopefully good. Hopefully get good weather again. And, all right, so instead of having people ask us questions, we asked the listeners questions or a question. Flipping the script. Yeah. So for this week's question to the listeners, we asked, what is your project car breaking point? Do you cut your losses and move on or park it and save it for the later version of you to solve? And it uh, seems like I pick on Brad a lot here, but uh, in the Instagram post, that flat body Starion is looking pretty tough these days. It is, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but to be fair, it was looking tough when it got parked there. Yeah. To be even more fair, what do we do to it today? Started it right up. Right. We put a jump pack on it, and the car fired right up and idled like it was parked yesterday. So the car runs mm-hmm. beautifully still to this day. Better now, I think, than I did when I drove it. <laughs> so most of these answers come down to your enthusiast level for a particular part of the car hobby. If you're into working on cars all the time, you probably have a higher tolerance for broken stuff. Yeah. Versus just wanting to drive stuff. I think that was reflected because I, knowing the people that were responding, it's kind of reflected in that when you see what they like to do. Yep. Like, oh, this yeah, makes perfect sure. sense. Yeah, there's no solid answer, one answer across the board here. I was almost afraid to come down into the recording studio this evening because I thought it was going to be an intervention yeah. with all of all my friends sitting around here telling me to get rid of all my cars. Mm. But thankfully, most of my friends understand that my pieces of junk bring me some form of happiness. So they have to deal with it, and they do. All right. So Tim Reed, uh, these are from Facebook. The only breaking point I really have is when a car I have has too much cancer. So rust, right? Mm-hmm. So it's at the point where I'll strip it bare. If it's at that point, I will strip it bare of anything salvageable and scrap the body. He's not you. wrong. He's not wrong at all. So a lot of that also comes down to um, geographics. Not geographics. Geographic area. Yeah. Where you're from. Um, I know he happens to live in the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. um, where cars don't rust as badly as they do in other parts of the country. Yeah. So for them, a car with a lot of rust might be a car that here in New England is something we would have no problem saving. Yeah, I guess. You know, it's that's how it works. You know, people have looked at some of our cars that we consider nice, and they say, I would scrap that. So Yeah, I... I mean, I don't know. I, it depends. Like, I'm getting really, uh, like, picky and choosy now. I'm like, oh, if I can get something without rust, I'm not. Oh, 100%. Definitely choose the best car you Once can Once I've find. had that forbidden fruit of a non-rusty car. Right. I mean, I'm literally moving to Phoenix to avoid rusty cars. Yeah. So. It's like. I get it. 
I mean, it's just a... And that's part of the reason we're even bothering with the Maroon Conquest. Yeah. Um, because it's originally a Louisiana car. And the okay. car has no rust on it. Yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah, there's no rot. I mean, there's some surface rust. Yeah. And most of the connectors and, you know, fasteners have come off pretty easily on that car. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been an issue. That's part of the reason we're even trying to save that car. Whereas the 84 that's been sitting in my yard for a long time is very rusty. Oh, yeah. But that's also going to be a good teaching tool for welding. So Yeah. Uh, all right. So Flavio Braga, uh, if it's worth keeping, it's worth keeping in running order. I can't justify keeping broken cars for longer than a couple months Ooh. so I can sort it out, fix it, or just move on. So. Mm, couple months, huh? Mm-hmm. Oof. I mean, if you're short on space, right? Like, you can't justify taking up that space. Yeah. You might as well enjoy cars. Yeah. I I have I have enablers. Yeah. Um, that allow me to keep vehicles in places where I'm not, or where I am. Yeah. Um, which the enablers have enabled me to amass a, a stupid number of broken vehicles. Which I'm trying to rectify, but there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a while. Probably not going to ever happen, and they're all done. But yeah, some will get, some will be gotten rid of before they're finished. So, so, uh, and then Mary Reeb says, "Bad enough, you don't want it. Good enough, someone else will take it." That's a good point, actually. Yeah, and that's a point that I come up with all the time because I sit and I look at. We'll go back to the '84 Starion again. Okay, it's at a point where the only person that would take that car is a junkyard. Yeah. Nobody would buy that car. Yeah. Whereas something like my Saab. Yeah. I could probably sell as is. And somebody would be like, this is not too much of a project because it's not rusty. It just needs a pair of axles. I mm-hmm. will buy that car and fix it. Yeah. So, yeah, she's right. It's definitely at the point where it's at a point where you don't want to fix it anymore, but it's not so far gone that somebody else won't be willing to take the project on. That's a good time to let go. Exactly. Oh, that was like, take your own advice, Brad. God damn it. Yeah. I mean, that was like, uh, you know, Stephanie's Outback. It was not, there was nothing wrong with it. Right. Well, like, there was stuff that wasn't working on it, but it wasn't like broken down, wouldn't move under its own power. Right. It was, but at, I, a, it was at a point where you had spent enough time working on it. Yeah, I just don't want to you were it done. anymore. <laughs> and if somebody else gets it as they haven't worked on it yet, it's not a big deal to yeah. do the things that it needed. You yeah. were just tired of working on that car. Yeah. Because it wasn't an enthusiast car either, which didn't help. No. It was just your car. No, and Stephanie was ready to buy a new car. Yep. So it was time to get rid of it. Yep. Um, and yeah, she and had that a, car still runs to this day. Yeah. Because the person, we know the person who bought it. He's a listener, and it's still going strong. Yeah, she had a very rusty Forerunner. I think Mary did. Yeah. yeah. It was cool though. I mean, it was the last of the '90s body style. It had a manual transmission. Mm-hmm. It was a neat truck, but it was just it needed. It was New England. It was a Toyota truck, so it needed framework and quarter work and bumper yeah. ends. And the drivetrain was perfectly fine. And no fault of her own, just we live in New England. That's just yeah. what happens yeah. with old age, especially when she spent a lot of years living on the ocean. Yeah. So. All right. Jeremy Nutt says, my breaking point is when I can easily buy a better version of the same as that car for less money than it will take me to build the one I have. That's a good point, too. And I said, this this is a good idea to keep in the back of your head when looking at buying project car, enthusiast car. Yeah. 
I mean, you can that's why we always say buy the best one you can afford. You can see that really cheap price tag, and you're like, mm, that's really enticing, but yeah. um, is it? Well, is we, can, it? we can go back to what we used to call your garbage Montero. Yeah. You know, it was an $800 Montero. Oh, yeah. Um, but we, and you probably spent three grand on that thing over time, maybe? Yeah. When you probably could have bought the equivalent truck that you wound up with in the end for 2500 Probably. Right. Some of it, again, like I said, is your enthusiast level of it. Some of it is an exercise in just doing stuff to do stuff. Yeah, I Because I enjoy doing it. I wouldn't say that that was a waste on your end because you enjoyed working on that truck. And we're not talking, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. No. Um, but it probably could have been replicated for less money than you spent on it. Yeah. But, like, you know, I don't mind doing valve cover gaskets or timing no. belts. And that stuff, sometimes you're just like, I want to learn how to do it, so I want to do it to that car. And those are all things that you'd have to eventually do to even a nice one if you bought it, if you kept it for a long time. And if you wanted to um, learn how to weld, you're like, I'm going to learn how to weld. Then you might go out and buy a car that needed a bunch of welding. Right. And you just learn on it. A la the 84 Starion. Well, it's like, what do you do when you want to learn how to drive a manual transmission? You buy a manual You just go out car. and buy a manual transmission car. Yep. You can learn on your friend's car, like get the basics, but the only way you're really going to learn is if you drive one every day. Buy the car and try to get it home. Exactly. That's how you learn. That's how I learned. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I had some minor experience before I bought a car, but I bought a manual transmission car and I was like, all right, now to get it home. So uh, Danny Jimenez, uh, so his reason for keeping cars is mainly due to some sort of sentimental value or not wanted compromise on a specific part or willing to put that project aside until I acquire the skill set needed or in some cases acquire, learn to rebuild, recreate the long out of production part. So again, it's up to like, sometimes you get attached to cars, Brad, the 84 Starion again. Um, or you're like, I don't want to buy a cheap part for it. I want to buy the right parts for it, and it just gets mm-hmm. kind of like the project gets like you kind of kick the can on it a bit, right? And then it doesn't uh, get done right away. And of course, again, like I was talking about, sometimes you want to learn how to do something, right? Which is fair enough. I I've certainly have like gotten a car and be like, I've never done that to a car. Yeah, maybe I'll do it to this car. There's not much left now, though. No, done I mean, mostly most, everything. Mostly everything. <laughs> Welding, though. Haven't done welding. So we're right. getting, we're getting so to that. So the 84 Starion again. <laughs> that will be the big learning tool for all of us on that yeah. car. But it's uh, okay. I certainly am sentimentally attached to it. So. Mm-hmm. Moises Arizona Castro says, uh, so far I keep everything I get. I'll get to it eventually. And as far as I understand, Moises has a, I'm going to call it a desert Dry storage quotations. Some would call it a junkyard, but I want to be nice. I'll call it desert dry storage. It's desert dry storage. Yeah, it's outdoor storage. Yeah, but it's dry. Yeah, it's like Cars the aren't rusty. It's like the plain boneyard. Yeah, it does. And it's full of various Mitsubishi's. It's the Mitsubishi boneyard. Yeah. Um. Hopefully, he'll be able to get rid of one or two of those things when I come out there. Because yes. I need myself a first gen Mighty Max, which I think he has probably three or four of. Yeah, like those. Those airplanes in the boneyard aren't really like, quote unquote, junk. They're just there resting. They can be revamped or right. used for parts. 
I don't want to keep harping on it, but I mean, so can a certain 84 Starion. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, that comes down to my answer to this question is, um, I can't stop. I don't, I don't have a breaking point. I guess it's, not. <laughs> it's, it's a personal, it's a personal opinion of each vehicle. Like the, as you call it, the Barney conquest. Um, I don't have a super personal attachment to that car. It's just a decent car, and I'm enjoying working on it and enjoying turning it around to what it could be. Yeah. Um, and I have have had many other cars like that. Like, I had my Cressida. We did a cylinder head on it, and I sold it on. We had that Accord. You know, we did some maintenance to it, did some belts, did some filters, and sold it on. Like, I don't have to keep every single car I get. There are some cars that just speak to me in ways that others don't. And the problem with that particular car is that I bought it from the original owner. He was really enthusiastic about it. He kind of gave me that enthusiasm from him when I bought it. And then going through the receipts and things that he gave me, like he bought the wheels for it from my dad's shop in 1986. And, you know, it had low miles and it's got an interesting story and it's a cool color combo. And Mm. I just, I drove the car every day for a year and a half and I just developed a certain bond with that car and I can't let it go. And the only reason it got parked obviously was because that, certain person ran a stop sign and drove into it. Yeah. But I just haven't had the time or space to do it. And I think that now that I have the time and space to do it, I'll be able to. Um, I just don't, I can't let go of that car for some reason. And it's not that it's, it's, it, it would be hard to replace because it's an 84 flat side Starion. They're not common. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a fully loaded car except for the digital dash. It's got, you know, the the trip computer and everything. It's kind of a weird option car. And I just, I enjoyed that car so much. I want to put it back on the road and I don't have a good reason for it other than it's a hundred percent emotional mm-hmm. that I got attached to that car. I feel bad that it's sat for as long as it's sat for, but I don't actually think it's gotten any worse sitting than it was when it sat when it got parked. You know, it's been moved enough times Andrew's rolling his eyes for those who can't see on camera here. Um, it's been moved enough times that the floor isn't rotten out of the car anymore than it was originally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the part of the floor that's left? The, well, I cut out some and replaced some already. But it, the stuff that has been repaired in the car has been main, has, has stayed just fine. And I think the car will see the road again soon. I okay. really do. All right. That's what this whole thing's about. Yeah. It's about that car. <laughs> you looking at it. It's scraping the mold off the hood. Well, mil- yeah, whatever that is, mildew. I don't know what that is. It's moss. It's moss. Moss mold. I don't know. It's like the moss that grows on the roof of your house, like that weird grayish moss. Yeah. Well, I'll post a picture of it. I took a nice picture. It's somehow it. growing on metal that's painted. It looks like an aerial shot of a frozen. I, I said it's a snow-covered like bog yeah. from the air. <laughs> that's what it looks like. But I have a picture of it. I'll post it on the auto app topic. It's page. like that old game. It used to play in Conan, where it was like extreme close up, and they would back out until they guess what it was. Yeah, yeah. Nobody would ever guess hood of an '84 scenario. Yeah. Uh, Sandra Pascarella, my mom, and she says, "If you haven't gotten to it uh, by now, move on." Now, probably because she has. I'm some... pretty sure she's looking out the window at my white stallion, going, "What the hell, Brad? What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, or some other junk cars in the yard. I wasn't gonna call it anybody else because those aren't mine. Some of them are. Um. All right, to the Instagrams. I will say Justin Marble says, poor thing. Um, wasn't really a answer to the question, 
but I do want to just let him know that listen 30 seconds ago and you'll know the car will be done. Yeah. He actually supplied the fenders to repair the car. Oh, cool. So we like Justin. Not just for that reason. He's a cool guy, but also he supplied the fenders to fix the car. All right. Hive is hero. Apparently not a blown engine because I rebuilt my WRX. Uh, my S10 Blazer on the other Triggered. hand. Yeah. My <laughs> S10 Blazer on the other hand, I reached a point where the car was actively rotting faster than I ever would get to with other projects. So the heartbreak decision was made to let her go eventually. Uh, and I said, yeah, that's a common Blazer theme. Yes, it is. Uh, Sandra Pascarella, we're looking back at you. <laughs> um, yeah, the S10 Blazers... Again, we're hitting all the points here tonight. We have S10 yeah. Blazers, Starians. Rusty Starians and S10 Blazers is pretty much the theme of my life for the past decade. D- WRXs. Yeah, that's uh, true, too. Also the same one. Same thing. Same I thing. mean, I would, uh, even though mine's like kind of rusty, if if something happened to it, I'd probably rebuild the engine. Your WRX? Yeah. Would you really? Because you almost threw it away when it needed suspension work. It was pretty bad. Yeah, well. That suspension work was a pain in the ass. That was probably, if... Okay, if I hadn't done the work myself to all that suspension work... Oh, it wouldn't have been worth it at all. It would not have been worth it at all. That car should have gone in the trash. If if I didn't have the means to do it myself, that car was going in the trash. Yes. The the only reason that it stayed alive was because I could do it myself. Mm -hmm. So there's that portion of this uh, discussion, too, that, like, you shouldn't... I mean, I guess you could love a car so much that you could spend... Thousands of dollars restoring. Listen, don't mor- don't remortgage car. your house to fix your car. No, yeah, no. If it's like so far gone, like get rid of it. I know it sucks. Get find another one. Yeah, <laughs> like find a better version of that car, yeah. or keep a portion of it to remember it by yeah. if you need to. Like you know the wheels, the hubcaps, the seats, or whatever. Something that brown coal in the new one. Yeah, that that's another one I let go. Yeah. You didn't want to. I didn't want to, but I had to. And people were like, why are you letting it go? I was like, no, it was too far gone. Yeah. Like, it was too far gone. Yeah, it was really hard after I made the decision for people who were like, why did you let it go? You should have tried to save it. But no. Yeah. Because those people don't act. Those people don't actively have to save it. They're it's, just armchair car stores. Yeah, it's easy to sit on the internet and comment, yes. you should save it. It's like, well, why don't you come over here and form all the sheet metal and weld up all the floors yeah. and spend 30 hours restoring. And it wouldn't have even been a big deal if it just needed floors. But yeah. the problem was that car was rotted with a rear suspension mounted yeah. to the car. So it was, it was the car would actively try to kill me if yeah. I kept driving it. Spend 70 hours restoring an 80 Colt yes. and people will call you insane. Right. So throw an 80 Colt in the trash and people called me insane. I yeah. can't win. There's <laughs> exactly. no, no winning. Exactly. It's crazy. It's bad enough that I'm going to spend 80 hours fixing an 84 Starion, so everybody can stop. And I gave that brown Colt an additional probably six years of life that it wouldn't have had without me. Right. Because I bought it, and it needed work from day one. I made it work, and I daily drove it, and that many more people got to see it and, quote-unquote, enjoy it on the road. Sure. People like that car. That car was a very popular car with, with, you know, passersby. (laughs) Yeah. But I remember when those crap cans were new. My grandma drove one of those. Yeah. yeah exactly. My weird uncle had one. Did I buy it from your grandma? Because it definitely came from an estate sale. I think my cousin like crashed one once. Yeah, there's always that story. Um, Rob E30, I'd say my only breaking point has been financial or relocation. Which is a point that I'm at right now. Yeah. Both. I never would have sold my 260Z, that's a bummer, but I was moving and had no place to keep it. 
current project has stayed with me because of its motivation to finish what I started. I fix, modify what I can, and find ways to save money on parts like waiting for sales or finding good used replacement stuff at pick and pull and forms. Not going to lie, though, I've been close to selling it several times. And, uh, yeah, we've been there, and those are good strategies for keeping going. Yep. Uh, definitely, when I put the Galant back together, a lot of time was spent on the Galant VR4 forms. And, unfortunately, there's a lot of part-outs. Yeah. But there was several Galants that died so that mine may live. But, again, a lot of those part-outs, say, you know, so, so, to, so to speak, are could be cars that where, you know, armchair car storing saying, maybe you should have saved that. But you know what? We don't know the history of the car. We don't know. Maybe the frame was tweaked. Maybe it's rotted somewhere. We don't know. And you really can't. I mean, it's thinks that these, you know, rare, at least in the United States, cars are being parted. But maybe there's a reason for it. Not everything is, nothing lasts forever, I guess, what I'm trying to say. I used to have an emotional attachment to, like, every car. And I get really annoyed when the car would get, like, like not even your own cars? Yeah. Yeah. But then I was like, uh, I became more nihilistic, and I'm just like, I car's a car. I don't care what That's somebody else's car. You do care a little bit. If I somebody intentionally ruins a car, you get angry. I get annoyed, and I'm like, well, they chose to spend their time and money ruining that, which stinks. But, oh well, what am I going to do? It's yeah. already done. Yeah, it's true. Um, Charade Life didn't really have an answer for the question, but he had a comment because about you know the quote of, let a letter version of yourself let a later version of yourself solve the problem. Yeah. Um, because he's had a Volkswagen Beetle in his garage since 2003. Yeah. Um, but he gets pass because that's an emotional attachment. Because that car was bought brand spanking new by a family member. Yeah. And it was passed down through generations to now him. Yeah. So that is a, that's, that is one case where that car could pretty much be gone and I support you trying to restore it because that's the car you're, you know, Build mother, it back from mother, the mother or grandmother or somebody bought brand spanking new, so you can keep that car forever. And you have my full blessing on that one. Yeah, and probably Andrews too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. Sure. You go on the uh, Hello Road podcast and and listen to that story. Yep. Uh, it's Fugarob. Fudge Rob. Fudge Rob. <laughs> Fugar Ob. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's F U Jurob. Maybe he doesn't like some guy named J-Rob. <laughs> if I can't make... So, sorry, Rob. <laughs> if I can't make regular progress on it in a timeline reasonable f- to my goals for it, I get frustrated and cut losses. This limits me in the number of projects I have at once because the space and resources constraints mean I get frustrated after like two cars and stop offloading the excess. Excess. Yep. Uh, that's a... That's... A, that's how he wants to do it, I guess. Yeah, it. I I think it's wise to set little goals. Uh, focus on one section of the car at a time, mm-hmm. and try not to think about the whole project at once, because then it gets overwhelming. When and you think about a mil- the other car, there's a hundred tasks I have to do to this car before it even runs. That's what we're doing with the purple Barney conquest. Yeah, you know, we, we're picking off small tasks at a time. The car needs an entire interior to be replaced. I haven't even like put a forum post out yet saying, hey looking for an entire interior because I don't want to get there until we fix this other stuff. So at first it's fix the noise, then it was going to make the car run right, then it was going to be go through the brakes, and you have to have a hit list of things to do in order to keep yourself A, motivated, and B, not from getting overwhelmed. I, I, I learned that strategy a bit when building model cars mm-hmm. when we were younger mm-hmm. 
because I would get the big box of parts that had an unassembled engine and chassis and interior and body, and I wouldn't know where to start. And then in my brain, I was like, well, treat each subassembly of the model car as a whole model to itself. Like, oh, I'm building a model of a 350 Chevy. Mm-hmm. Now I'm building a model of the front suspension of a 70 Chevelle. And that, I found, made it easier for me to complete models. Hmm. Because it was small goals versus one big goal. Yeah. It's easier to hit small goals. Yeah, this hobby should be fun, yep. so don't bury yourself in projects. 100%. Because that's not funny. Don't listen to me, though, because I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't know about I definitely you. buried myself in projects. Oh, uh, yeah. It, was, it wasn't on purpose. It was a long time of a weird time in my life, but that time is over and things are getting done now. Yep. So, Arnie's Antics. Just says, never give up. Right. And, I, uh, yeah, sometimes you shouldn't surrender. I agree 100%. Uh, <laughs> Throttle by cable. That moment I no longer look back at it when I walk away from it. It's time to cut bait. Uh, I also uh, sold an emotionally connected car because I did not have the money or the time to do right by it. When that happened, I was super picky about whom I sold it to do. Mm-hmm. I told people to get lost before, just get back in their car and leave. Uh, I mean, sometimes it takes tough love. You certainly don't have to sell your car to the first person that shows up. No. Like, it's your prerogative. Like, Yeah, absolutely. If, as if, long as you have a good reason for it, then yeah. yeah. If somebody comes up and is like, man, I've been looking just for this kind of car to enter in a demolition derby, you can go, uh, I don't think you're the right guy it's for It's not for sale anymore. Yeah. Sorry. Decided I don't want to sell it now. Yeah. Sorry. Not for sale. Yeah, and, and I've actually cut prices for people who I feel are the better buyer for the car. Absolutely. You know, because it's like, hey, this kid really wants the car. You know, I, I believe his sob story. Yeah, you deserve to own the car. And so, we've gotten that from people, too. Oh, 100%. We, yeah. we definitely have. Yeah. There's absolutely no question. You know, I, <laughs> another project car that's kind of forgotten about in the back of my brain is I have that 79 Colt. Oh, right. You know, and the car hasn't moved in years, and I tried really hard not to get the car. Because I didn't need another car. And it got to the point where the guy was like actively telling me to come take this car. Yeah, it has so, a good story. So I did. And it's got a good story. And now with that car, I'm like, what do I do with it? Yeah. Because it needs a lot more work than the car is worth to make it right. It's way more work than it needs. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind so, of the car, so the car is never going to be right. No. I can make it run and drive. Um, but there are very few people who I would sell that car to as well. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't sell it to anybody. Mm. You know? I, I have... a one or two people in mind who I wouldn't sell it. I would actually probably just give it to because that's how I got, that's how I got the car, you know, just because I know they might be able to carry on the vision I have for that car. But the vision isn't very much. It's not, it's a sympathetic, make the car run and drive and usable, but yeah, it's going to come up pretty quick. So, uh, Vigo 327, uh, the only car I loved and still gave up on, I'm 100% sure that I could have fixed later when I knew more. Mm-hmm. That's a valid point, too. Um, so that's a common theme, not feeling that you have the knowledge to fix it, and we get that, too. Like, yeah. every now and then, you just feel like that. Uh, I remember when I was about 17, I got that uh, Caballero. Unfortunately, yes, I yeah. do remember that. <laughs> Which is GMC's version of Andrew's favorite car, the Chevy El Camino. Yeah. Um, For the Ultra, you want an even more exclusive car-based pickup truck? The Caballero. Yeah. Um, 
but at the time I was way over my head with it. Um, just because I didn't have the resources, the money or the knowledge to do anything with it. And, uh, I, I, I know now I could have, we probably could have the car running in a weekend, yeah, but been, at, the, uh, at the time, really ambitious about getting project cars. Yeah. <laughs> Finishing them has been the There's issue. There's a history here. Yeah. Yeah. That's changing though. Mm-hmm. And it really, it really is changing because I, I see it in myself and I see, you know, by being involved with this kind of stuff more than we used to be, you know, having, the social media aspect of owning old cars is huge too, because you have this common bond with people all over the world that you can talk to about them and you wind up getting encouragement from other people. And, you know, I talked about getting fenders to put the 84 scenario together from Justin, mm-hmm. you know, he lives in Buffalo, New York. I wouldn't know him if it wasn't for the internet, you know, I'd still be searching for fenders here locally, mm-hmm. you know, but he had him in his garage. So it was a quick trip to Buffalo and back mm. <laughs> to get some parts for, for a starion. So it's it's a, it's a whole different world we live in now, and I have a whole different outlook on it now that I'm that I'm older. You know, I, I have more knowledge, I have more skill, and I have more money, and I have somehow more time, and I can get some stuff done now. Mm-hmm. So that, that is that is a true thing, Vigo. That uh, you definitely can do, obviously, more things the more you know. So Judge underscore Mills uh, has to run and drive. He had a 15 year old project, uh, only drove a few hundred miles. Sold it not running. He says the next guy went roadkill with it. Got it running in a week. But he was trying to do... So Judge Mills was trying to do a nice job to it. Right. Uh, instead of just smash it together. Um, so for him, it must be a runner so he can enjoy it while he works on it. So that's a... What do we call that? A uh, Rolling restoration. Rolling restoration. Yeah. That's the... I forgot. Yeah. had a term for that. Which is kind of important. You know, depending on your skill level and your storage situation. Makes it more fun. Yep. Um, I would consider almost every car I own, even the ones that run and drive, to be rolling restorations. Because you do little things here and there, and you enjoy it in between. There's a lot of people that you know about at the cruise night or something that had this car for like 15, 20 years they did this restoration. Because they did it like piece by piece. Mm -hmm. You know, one part at a time. Uh, And that's fine if that's what you want to do. Um me personally, I don't really like that. I've had a couple cars that I've put together, but it's only taken like a year and a half if right. they were completely like just rollers. But no more than that, because otherwise it just, to me, it just drags on too long. Again, I think a lot of that has to do too with what level of restoration enthusiast are you at? Um, do you enjoy more working on the car than you do driving the car? Do you enjoy yeah. equally doing both things on the car? Do you have more than one car? Because if you have a vintage car or a quote-unquote project car that does run and drive, maybe you'd be more willing to take on that long-term in the corner of the shed project that just sits there for 15, 20 years as you slowly pick away at it. Yeah. You know, there's there's too many variables to lump everybody into the same thing here. But it's interesting to hear everybody's opinion on it. And I hope uh, people realize I, I, sort, I, I don't want to read everybody's comment word for word. So yeah, we, we kind of pick the important parts pretty, of your comment. Yeah. yeah. Um, some Volvo car people are too annoying. So I never walk away from equity. I don't think I understand that. Um, I think he means like, as far as selling it, he hates dealing with people buying cars. I think that's what it means. I think everybody hates dealing with people buying cars. Yeah. Um, and also I want to find out more about the bad Benzo because it's getting a monster V8 swapped. It's that cream colored W 
I don't know, whatever like the mid seventies sedan is. Um, he had a little incident this past year where he was driving it in a snowstorm and it slid into a curb and the front suspension mount broke from the subframe and the subframe broke from the body of the car. Ooh. Yeah. So he's going to be putting a whole new subframe in it. That's custom for V8 parts. Well, cool. So, I don't know what kind of V8 he's planning on doing. I don't know if it's going to be like an LS V8 or an old Mercedes V8 or I assume it'll be like an LS style. See, that's model. another way of modifying or restoring a car that I personally, I like that. I like that. Something happened to the car. He didn't purposely pull the car apart to do this V8 swap. Like, it was a perfectly running and driving car. He yep. was enjoying it. And then something happened that was dumb. And in order to fix the car, he decided, you know what? I'm going to go in this completely different direction. Right. I've already enjoyed the car as is. Yeah. Something happened to it. Most people would throw it away. Now I'm going to bring the car back to life in a different form. Personally, I don't love taking really nice cars, ripping them apart just to throw an engine swap in them. Right. You've already got like a buy something with a blown engine already. Yeah, or... if, if something's already kind of pretty ratty, yeah, throw an engine in it. Mm-hmm. Do weird shit to it, make it a little different. Yeah, enjoy it. But that's we've discussed this before. Those low mileage survivors, please don't engine swap them. Yeah, it's, that's them that makes me cringe. Yeah. All right, that's that's where I get upset. Yeah. So my Cressida is one of those. Uh, that engine's not that great in that car. Yeah, but it was still it was a slow cruiser, and it was in really nice shape because of it. Yeah, you know, and now it's you know on its path to drift missile. You know, oh, he drifts it. I have no idea, no idea if he drifts it, but he two J swapped it, which means even if he doesn't, somebody in that car's future might. Yeah. So it just bothers me a little. It's already bit. done. I know. <laughs> I look back at those pictures of that you know seventy thousand mile original non cracked dash and just get hey upset. He bought the best car he could buy to do his engine swap. Yeah, he certainly That's his prerogative. Uh, Braden Smith. The longest I've owned a car for is three years, and in that time, I've driven said car for about 3,000 miles. I'm lucky enough to have a place to store this car while I save up for each step of the project, but I know if I get rid of it, however much I've wanted to over the years, I will hate myself for it. Yeah. Yeah. Seller's remorse. That goes right along with... Um, you know, an emotional attachment to a car. Exactly. It's the same thing. It's why I've had those Darien's been parked, you know, since I keep harping on that particular car because it's one that we're talking about the most because I've had it the longest. I mean, I think we bought, I bought the car in 2008. Yep. I think it got... Hit. No, it was 2009. Was it 2009? Yes. I bought my house in 2009. No, it was 2009. Okay. It was in early 2009. December of 2009. I already had my house. December of 2009, because uh, I would have bought it, but like the same week I blew up my Achilles tendon and I couldn't drive it anyways. Okay. That makes sense. My Achilles tendon. I said, I thought he said attendant. Whatever. People know what you meant. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, but it's been parked since like 2012. Right. So. Ugh. Yeah. That Gross. was, uh, that might have been, I think it was like around February or something. You were it on the way to, uh, we were having a. A party at a friend's house. It was an anti-Valentine's Day party. Yeah, Yeah. we're all getting together to play board games, and then an Ultimate Driver took the nose off the car. And I went a different direction than normal, because I was picking up pizzas for the party. Yeah. And that's when the guy blew his stop sign, hit the nose. Mm. Our favorite Ultimate Drivers. Grumpy Grump. Yeah, I've been hit by three of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so definitely, like, and then, you know, that brings you to the the town, the I I couldn't sell them, ever. Nope. 
They owe me nothing, so I'll just forever own them. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. There's no reason for me to ever get rid of them. It's like my Camaro. Exactly. I'll, I'll never get rid of it. No. It's not like... And uh, I'm likely that scenario I'll never get rid of, and I'll probably never get rid of the Blue Colt and the Sapporo either, just because, mm-hmm. you know, they're not worth a ton of money. I'm into them for even less than that. But they are all at... A, they are all at a place in the way they operate that if something breaks on them, fix it right away so that the car doesn't sit. Right. I mean, the like Colt and the Sapporo and everything. Absolutely. Everything. Yeah. So once once it runs, keep it that way. Once you've got everything running, when something breaks, yes. even if it's not like right away, it's like the next thing that you fix. Yep. Like I, I've tried to practice what I preach. So like, if something's broken on the Montero, I've tried to get it fixed because something might break on the WRX and then I need the Montero. Before you know it, you have 13 broken cars. Yeah, exactly. It spirals out of control. Way out of control. And when it could be just an easy, simple fix and then when a vehicle sits, it gets way worse and needs other stuff from yeah. sitting. And and that's one of the things that I have changed in my life is I've developed that philosophy yeah. and I've been pretty good with it. So if there's anything we can... Uh, Get out to people who are and like share knowledge here. It's like just pick a project. Yep. Do like one step at a time. Yep. Even if you go out in the garage every night and do 20, 30 minutes on it. Yep. After it your up. kids go to bed. Yeah. You know, after the family goes to bed, whatever, you can work on it for like an hour or two. Instead of watching Netflix or something after everyone else has gone to bed, sneak out in the garage, bolt a couple parts together, get it done. Sounds pretty good, right? It does sound pretty good. And like I said, you know, I have that mass of broken cars that's from my past. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my Camaro, my Sapporo, my Colt, I've gotten them running to a point where they run good. Mm-hmm. And when little things break, I'm pretty good about fixing them now. Yep. You know, I get it fixed right away. Um, you know, the Raider broke the other day. Yeah. And uh, I went and ordered a PCV valve the next day. And it wasn't that. So I went and ordered valve seals the next day. So we'll see if it was that. And if it wasn't that, we'll move on to the next thing. But I'm not going to let that thing sit. I'm either going to fix it, or in light of this episode, I may sell it as is to somebody else. Say, hey, truck runs, but it smokes. Yeah. Buy this truck now. Because... I tried these things. Yep. Maybe you should fix it. Because I think after the next thing we try, if it doesn't fix it, it's probably time to move on. Because we've done a bunch of things to it, and... It's getting kind of annoying to work on. And that's what it is. It's at a point where we've done enough. We've worked on it enough. I don't want to do the same things 15 times over. It does run and drive. Maybe somebody else is way more into it to put a diesel swap it. I don't know. It's it's, it's not a bad truck. It's got yeah. a solid frame and a, and a pretty solid body overall. And it's, you know, it's it's not trash worthy, but I think I might be tired of working on it. Maybe might somebody be ready put a 2JZ else. in it. Maybe, which is fine. <laughs> I don't even care. Or maybe somebody has a... You know, are really rusty ones sitting in the yard, and they've been, you know, eyeing, looking for a replacement body for it, and my truck is perfect for that. So All we'll right. see what happens. Maybe it'll get fixed with the valve seals, and don't even worry about it. Cool. So we, um, I should also plug the Gearhead Project. Uh, Brian's been doing really cool stuff with that podcast over there. He did a podcast with us a couple weeks ago. That should be up soon. We're also participating in a print issue he's working on yep he's got a bunch of people on board for that so stay tuned to the gearhead project please rate and review us on itunes of course share it with your friends 
I just added us to Spotify. If you want to use Spotify, mm-hmm. you can basically find us on every major podcast platform. Yeah, if it exists, we've tried to get on it. That's or sure. anywhere that... Or if we've heard of it, we've gotten on it. <laughs> yeah, or anywhere that aggregates from them. Yep. Um, and trying to think where we are here. Check out this week's issue of Auto Week. Oh, right. Yeah. You are in this uh, week's issue of Auto Week. So two, it's the two. April 22nd, 2019 issue. Yep. Two little blurbs. Well, one like full page thing about uh, road trip tools. Yep. Um, not I didn't write the article or take the pictures, but in the article is uh, some sage advice mm-hmm. from me. Um, and they used my 78 Colt as a background picture for all the, you know, tool talk because I do use my cars for long road trips. Yeah. Um, and one of the staff writers for Auto Week knew that and uh, contacted me to do a little article about using a vintage car on a road trip. So there's that. And there was a another little column in there about um, what not to do when buying old cars. Right. So I have a little blurb in there about yeah. that. Yeah, it's the do-it-yourself issue. Yep. So, as always... It actually marks the second time I've been in the do-it-yourself issue because the Sapporo was in two years ago, remember? Oh, was it? Yep. Oh, cool. So, as always, keep cars analog. And follow us on... That's right. ...at Auto Off Topic on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> yeah. And Brett. me at TSISS350 on Instagram. And where can they find you, Andrew? At Race and Anger. Right, where he's not confused. Nope. <laughs> All right. Now, keep your cars, keep analog, your cars analog and aim for the roses. Yeah.